Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how the story sausage is made. On this show we have three central planks to our writing manifesto. Plank the first to help you write more, plank the second to help you write better and plank the third to help you be a little bit happier. As you do those things to that end, I sometimes get guests on to talk about writing and making stories and making books and the process of creativity. Sometimes I get listeners to send in their first pages and I often for feedback on how they can make them even more awesome or suck less and sometimes I just talk on some subject of writing some area of the process of making words work harder than they normally do and I do so unedited in what's called a writing ramble and that has been the format actually for quite a few of the last episodes because it's been coming up to the time of my book coming out my latest book and so I've been sort of feeling slightly uh, under the gun in terms of all the stuff I've got to do and a little bit tired and so uh, I haven't made the time to get guests on the show and to write scripts for episodes so I've just been doing like Dear Diary episodes and uh, this is going to be one of those because I want to keep up doing the podcast and keep putting stuff out and then so I'm constantly caught between putting out stuff that's super good quality that makes people go, oh, gosh, I'm really, really glad I'm continuing to listen to this and wanting to keep up a reasonable release schedule. And uh, as the saying goes, he who chases two rabbits catches neither. And um, also, I suppose it's true that he who chases neither rabbit doesn't catch them either. And I think I've probably done the latter which is gone, well, I want to put out something good, so maybe I shouldn't put an episode until I've got something good. And then I've also thought, oh, maybe I should put an episode out quickly, um, but I haven't got anything good, and I've just put out nothing. Anyway, I'm, I'm recording this from um, if the sound quality, if, if you're not hearing me in my normal uh, sort of uh, uh, rich and uh, sonorous uh, bass tones that's because I'm recording this on my phone in a premiere inn in the south of England uh, before I'm off on my book tour at the moment and so I'm literally sitting on my double bed in a premiere inn just had a shower I'm just in, wrapped in a bath towel uh, and it's gone 11 o'clock at night and I drove from Norwich today and I've, <laughs> this is the glamorous, I'm sort of like, oh, just over a week into the book tour for Coward, which is the book I've just had out, a non-fiction book about anxiety and panic. And my experiences being someone who has suffered, you know, really quite badly with severe anxiety and, and um, panic attacks for years. I had those. And so it's all about that. And the kind of journey I went on to try and learn how to defeat them or how to get better and what anxiety was and all those kind of things so it, I've been going around and talking to various audiences of uh, varying composition and size in various venues and I, I have to be honest well I don't have to be honest do I I could lie I could completely make stuff up I, I'm going to be honest I think today is when I've hit the tall wall you know where I've just I was sort of bearing up pretty well in terms of energy levels and today 
my daughter Suki, she's five. She's been at home with chicken pox and I was looking after her yesterday. I took a day off the tour and today I was looking after her. Sort of stuck around a bit later than I would have so I could look after Suki while my wife was working. And um, I just suddenly felt really exhausted, really sort of knackered, really quite like emotionally frail. And it's silly, really, because this isn't, you know, this is what I do is not work by any stretch of the imagination, by any conventional definition. I was thinking about this and thinking how I'm getting to drive around the country and speak to people and I get to talk about my book. And this morning, a photographer came round from, where was he from? From the from the Observer magazine, sorry, I can hear people like walking in the hall outside, and I keep thinking someone's going to come and tell me off. Even though I'm speaking, you know, just in a conversational tone, I keep that's the level I'm at. I feel like slightly furtive and uh, seedy doing this. I suppose I suppose it is. I think maybe that's just maybe that's just the uh, that's just the uh, ambience, and I lend to every activity I do. But I am naked except for a towel maybe that maybe it's because it's a it's because it's a premiere in isn't it it's it's the motel vibe but look like this morning yeah this photographer came around from the observer to take pictures of me at my house you know I have to do po- I quite like having my picture taken as well I'm you know I don't like looking at the pictures of me there was one that appeared in the so the Daily Mail did a, a feature last week on me which I'm not proud of but uh as if for punishment for that um the photograph they printed of me I don't know what happened to my face but I I just I looked like a haunted tree like I just had this sort of tiny face inside like a big square head this kind of <laughs> mound of flesh I looked <laughs> looked like Krang out of the turtles there was just like an almost perfectly cuboid face uh, head and then this tiny little face in the middle of it and shredder um and yeah I looked I looked awful I, I looked. I, I I I looked like I'd been daily magnified. No, no wonder I would have been angry at the world and blaming other people if if that's what I really looked at. And I, and 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 then the edit, and then the editors bollocked me because I. Well, no, they didn't bollock me. They complained via my publishers because I'd linked to the article but said, "Sorry, it's in the Daily Mail." Uh, which I was, but uh, the very brittle egos. I mean, uh, or if you, alternatively, they were calling me out on my legitimate hypocrisy for being happy for them to print stuff about me in the Daily Mail and then trying to have my cake and eat it by going, and the Daily Mail are massive twats. Like, yeah, they were quite quite right to say, well, no, Tim, you're a huge hypocrite who obviously like any so like either you oppose it or not you can't you can't go home in the daily mail but i don't like them it's just like just make a decision you know if you think which i do that they're like they've got like a a hundred year plus history of 
naked racism and like dreadful bellicose saber rattling and just general backward awfulness on almost every level like they're just this organ of amplifying the paranoia of one wealthy dynasty and I guess stoking the absolute worst elements of the British character which is resentment greed selfishness paranoia sentimental nostalgia and this horrible servile deference to authority which is kind of inculcated by our public school system right so it's just like that pathology in a newspaper just blasted out across the world and 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 I I I I could have just said fuck off don't do an article about me but I didn't and so they were quite right to call me a twat for complaining about it in a sense because I was being a hypocrite but they yeah they took a photo of they sent a photographer to take pictures of me and the pictures were awful and then I had a photographer around today from the observer which you know I suppose is sort of like has slightly more quirkly progressive credentials but still is a newspaper that has consistently been pumping out transphobic propaganda every weekend. So slightly better, but not that much better. Anyway, the the, the photographer was a very very nice guy, and um, uh, I you know got to speak to him and take some pictures. But I really like having my picture taken. Sorry, I realise now. You know why I'm like this? Where I'm going? Oh God! I had a photographer around from the Daily Mail. I had a photographer around from uh, the Observer. It's because I was in Hello Magazine this week. That's so, and it, I just you could immediately it's like you've changed him. I'm immediately I did an interview for Hello! Exclamation mark. That's part of it. It's like Westwood Ho, right? The exclamation mark is part of the name of the t- the magazine. But I, I did an interview for them because they'd done some stuff. I don't know if it's only online, but just for Mental Health Awareness Week. And they were like, well, we better speak to some of the mentals. And they spoke to me. And they did actually a really nice interview. I really liked what they included from it. The person I spoke to was very sort of nice and very compassionate. And they put a lot of what I said in the interview into the magazine like they didn't misrepresent anything I said you know they chose what they were going to include but so it's very very nice but um that's why I'm being if you think I'm being like a twat (laughs) that's why um possibly but the reason anyway the reason I like having my photo taken is I think for the same reason I quite like I've always quite liked having my eye test done is because it's basically someone it's very calming you know I don't like you know I'm posing I'm trying to pull faces I you know might feel quite self-conscious I don't really 
I don't dislike how I look, but I don't like looking at photos of myself particularly. So I, I don't, don't feel confident posing or anything like that. But I just ignore that bit that it's being photos. I like the shutter sound. I find very calming. This, the, I'm just going to do a shutter sound then, but you know, that's one of the most iconic noises <laughs> of all technology um, <laughs> is the shutter sound. I don't need to do a bad impression of a camera shutter sound for you to be there with me in that moment. Um, I like that. I find because they've got proper, you know, because it's like a proper like mechanical shutter on their cameras because they have their fancy cameras. They don't just bring their mobile to take a picture of me. They don't just, they don't just set their mobile to filter. It's a real camera. But I really like that noise. They also, both photographers brought one of those like flashes on a, they, they have like a flash on a tripod that plugs in or uses a massive portable battery. And, you know, like we used, you used to have when the photographer came into school and when it goes off, it goes and it makes that noise. And um, I find that no that noise very calming. And someone's just telling me to move and they're they're generally being quite nice. And they'll always say, oh, you're doing really good. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's exactly what I wanted. They're giving lots of positive feedback. They never say you, you've messed it up. They've never gone, oh, no, we're not going to be able to use any of these. Oh, well, I suppose you're not a professional. No, it's, I can tell. Can you stop being awkward? Don't hold your face like that. They they don't say that. They always will say nice things because they want you to relax, right? And it's just nice. It's nice to be put in a situation where I'm pleasing someone or at least that person is giving the impression of being not annoyed at what I do. Like, it's within my ability... Like, they're not setting me challenges that I can't do. They're not asking me to juggle. They just say, can you move that foot? Just half a step forward. Perfect. That's it. Brilliant. There, I did one now. Brilliant. And can you just move that foot to the fraction, for a fraction to the left? Now, I, I mean, I admit, like, when they say move that foot a fraction to the left, it's because I'm quite pedantic and because i really like clarity sometimes that's like do they when they say move it to a do they want my foot to you know in, in plain terms do they want it to bank are they asking are they, do they want your do they want it to you know what's it what is it bank roll so it's a tilt roll your like sorry you can't see that i was doing the three planes of movement that a plane does with my hand but you can't see that but they normally you know when they say to the, the one that's left they want it tilted out but anyway look it's just that's beside the point it's nice it's nice that someone says move your foot half a step and you do it and they're like delighted <laughs> like they're like delighted that they're like pleasantly surprised they do a little performance where they go can you just do half a step full perfect oh that's great oh wow like i've never had to do so little to get like approval and praise fulsome approval and praise from a stranger and then these lovely little noises that give me these little asmr tingles because they're just like these soft there's like a little crunching sound and a little popping sound of the bulb going and I'm doing work, right? I'm I'm 
do like I'm just sitting there and then I'd have to look one way and look the other and I'm, I'm achieving something it's it's really easy and um <laughs> I like it a lot I just I feel very I feel very safe and someone's telling me exactly what I need to do at any given moment right so I, I'm sort of, I'm being guided through it. It, it, it. It's it's one of my favourite things to do. I think as a kind of ancillary thing that comes with being a writer. God, this is. I mean, am, am I living the am I living the dream now? I'm. I'm. You know, I've just had a shower. I'm in my hotel room. Like on every level, you know, I could be making things about how it's not very glamorous. You know, in a premiere, but I'm actually. I think I'm having quite a nice time. It might not be glamorous by like you know world superstar standards, but as a thing to do for a job, it is quite pleasant. You know, it's it's quite nice. Um, I, it's it's funny. Like it, there's a lot of worse things you, I could be doing with my time, and that's what I've got to remind myself sometimes because you can get to a stage where you don't know you're born. And I've heard it from other people as well that they're going, "Oh God, I didn't when I had to do this event or." Well, they asked me to write this and uh, the latest book didn't and blah, blah, blah. And you just kind of think, okay, like, have you seen what a job is like? <laughs> Do you remember what a job is like? Because, like, I can tell you now, it's not like this. You don't have this flexibility. You don't have this sort of sense of meaning. And, and, and there are, you know, tricky parts of writing and there are uncertainties and all those kind of things. But actually, you are kind of here doing something that you care about. And it's hard for me. It's hard for me. Sorry, this this isn't the bit that's hard for me. But I think what's, what's tricky for me is reconciling. Maybe it's a bit hard. But it's, it's hard to reconcile being lucky, being fortunate. And also finding some aspects of something incredibly difficult because at some stage you feel like you run out of sympathy runway if that makes sense right like it's like who am i asking to feel sorry for me at this point like and, and what more do i want like what what more can i re reasonably ask out of what i do um given how much i've been given already like what are your expectations for what is fair or what you quote unquote deserve is this not does this not meet it yet like what are you expecting because there's a bunch of people who'd swap places with you in a heartbeat i mean not literally it'd be weird and also like it's an existential problem about swapping places because if you literally swap places and you became me i mean we might have just done that right because then you'd get all my memories and i'd get all yours and so in what sense would i be you and you be me like actually we wouldn't have because you'd have to get all my memories otherwise you wouldn't be able to function with me or it would be like this existential nightmare where your friends couldn't recognize you anymore and you i didn't wouldn't know how to i'd be just in your body going i'm i'm tim Clare. what's going on i'd be like having a a freak out and a meltdown like i'm like trapped in this prison of flesh that wasn't my own and like with sort of strange hands that weren't mine and I, I wouldn't know any of the geography around I wouldn't know the geography of the house I was in I wouldn't know 
any of my part your passwords to get onto social and you wouldn't you i'd know my ones though so i would be in your house but i could get onto my social media you wouldn't know my my pin code so you couldn't use any of my none of none of the you wouldn't have therefore you wouldn't have any money you wouldn't know you would be i mean we'd both be screwed it would be hell so you wouldn't i'm presuming if you had any sense want to swap places with me aside from it you know you might just you like you, you love your friends as well right and you love your family and you wouldn't be able to see any of them anymore because you'd be trapped inside my body and i'd be trapped inside yours so from their perspective you had just gone mad i suppose if we both had if we both consistently had this if we both consider like i guess if i was in your body and you were in mine then i would say i'm tim clare and they might sort of track down Tim Clare, the person who, you know, in Tim Clare's body. And, and then you would presumably be consistently saying that you were you. So then they would probably be able to figure out what had happened. And then I guess, I don't know, like, would we be put in some kind of, would we be observed somehow? Would we be going on the news a lot? Like, because... It would sound like we just made it up between us. I mean, would we be studied or would it seem like a kind of folly adieu? You know, where, you know, it would seem, I mean, like, would we just do the round of sort of morning talk shows? Would that be at the level or would it be taken seriously as a scientific phenomenon? Like, would anyone believe us or would they just think these two people have got together and cooked up a story? And would I like... And also, if it was you who decided that and then suddenly it had been made so, like, I might, you know, would we do that tour of the TV things? Or would I, like, hate you because you'd put us in this situation? I'd be, like, saying, can you, like, turn us back? Why did you decide to do this? And you'd be saying, I didn't think it'd happen. Like, I didn't think it would. And then there's a big existential question, like a terrifying question, which is, like, by what mechanism did this happen? It implies the existence of psychic powers or out-of-body powers or some kind of like entity or interventionist deity who that made this happen so that completely changes our sort of sense of the metaphysics of the universe and then there's that just like that alienation of like what you know do we lose our families then do do we come off as like liars are we pariahs for the rest of the like did like did you kind of like and then the only people who believe you are like completely bananas and they believe like to what extent do you then like both of us wander the earth in this state of extreme alienation where we even start to doubt our own experience so don't don't do that because that would be terrifying. But look, no, what I'm premier, I'm in the premier in anyway. I mean, you wouldn't want to, but, but, I, but I suppose the, the metaphor I was going for was like, it seems all right to have put a book out. Doesn't it? Doesn't seem too bad. I don't know. Like, I think I was doing all right until today. And... I don't know. Maybe I'm just like hitting an emotional dip or whatever. I just, I don't know. I feel a bit sad that I haven't been writing fiction and I feel a bit scared about writing fiction, to be honest. A couple of people mentioned to me in emails or just in messages, or are you still, I guess you've given up on doing that. 
how to write a novel series on the podcast, and I haven't, but I think my discomfort around writing fi- my fiction sometimes it feels like it's almost got to like a phobia I don't know whether that's just in my head and if I sat down and did it I would be okay the problem is whenever I bring it up people go hey I know a guy who uh, who is uh, given some advice on, uh, on 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 getting over procrastination self-criticism isn't it and it's like then a link to my own thing and it's just a bit of a uh, I'm just just com- repeatedly being pagliacci'd by I think well-meaning listeners it's just a sort of 10th time that happens doctor I am Tim Clare I just feel a bit like yeah but I'm serious like I it's like who do I turn to now to figure out how to be how to write because I see other writers do it writing fiction and I'm just really struggling with I real struggle not to hate myself and everything I've written when I tried to do it. And I don't think it's entirely in my head in the sense that I'm not happy with what I'm writing. I'm not happy with it. I don't think I'm writing brilliant stuff and then I'm just like have this pathological sort of like hatred of it. I think it's not good. But I don't know if you have to write and then you keep writing and then it gets good. Or I don't know if it's impossible for me to make it good. I I just feel so unmoored from my own sense of doing a good, like making it good. I mean, I, I felt like this about the not as I'm writing a new nonfiction book about games and stuff. And I, 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 I was writing. I, oh, God, it took me so long to send something to my agent because I was so convinced everything I'd written was pants. Or just wasn't right or I'd quite like it but then I wasn't sure where to go with it and then eventually I sent something off because I was just like I'm gonna do myself a mischief and I'm making myself miserable and I was so scared of talking about it and I've said this on previous episodes how I was so scared about writing about games because I didn't want to bore people I didn't want people to say I hate this and I didn't want people to say shut up because I don't think I'm alone in like learning to moderate what I talk about and pick my audience and try and read the room, as they say. But it has meant that I've picked up a lot of shame around stuff I'm interested in. And and I think it just made it really hard for me to write that chapter and send it off because I was just... I mean, it's bloody hard now. I feel that now with Coward Out. Is it just you write something and you put your heart into it? And I think a lot of people think, and I always thought that then you're going to hit publication and you get accepted, you get an agent. How to bag an agent, how to hook an agent. I've seen saw writers and artists yearbook put out a how to hook an agent book. And I just, it's, you know, it's how how do you catch them? It's all about like, you're lacking something and you've got to go out and and win someone over it's it's not about you know this idea that it, it, it's you who owes that to them and you're the one who's got to go into the marketplace and kind of prove yourself to other people and I, I just i don't know like is that 
it just immediately puts you in a sense of sorry i'm just i got up and shut my laptop and then i'm back on the bed that was the creakiness of the bed um but it, it's immediately like you're having to go out there and prove yourself and be amazing and show that you should be listened to and it's hard because clearly you know you are not you know people talk about you know I you, I just write for myself and I'm sure that's true and that's sincere when people do it but clearly for your writing to um be not of worth but have some kind of I don't even mean commercial value but for it to have some life beyond being an activity for you which I think is a perfectly reasonable and valid reason to write and create and do any kind of self-expression and it's not self-indulgent or masturbatory or anything like that I think it's really important and uh, it, it, it can help improve the quality of your life it can be really intrinsically fun on its own terms and make you happy um it's, I think it can just be great but clearly there has to be something in it for an audience for someone else for it to connect and for it to be something that you get people to exchange money for the privilege of reading right and you want someone to produce it or whatever someone to publish it it's got to, it's got to have that this is not a controversial take on books a book should be interesting to someone who isn't you wow tim that's uh how many seasons of Death of a Thousand Cuts have you done? Is your writing advice for writers? Is, it, is that your big take? Sitting in your hotel room, coming out with pearls of wisdom. Oh, I won't. I won't script this one. I'll just. Uh, just. I'll just do this one off the dome. Okay. So uh, the, the my my real sort of. I want to just sum up what you should do. Make a book that someone would like to read. Fucking well done, Tim. Good, good, good work. Holy shit. Holy shit. If we get the publishing industry on the line, this guy's cracked it. Lads, lads, gay. Someone's, someone's, someone's discovered he's distilled the bestseller formula. Apparently, we have to make books that, peop, that, that someone other than the author wants to reach. Oh, my God. What? Why didn't? How has it taken this long? All this crossing out, all these different things on the uh, write a uh, make a book that only the author wants to read? Question mark is immediately crossed out on the uh, on the dry whiteboard. We've 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 solved it. We've solved it. We we can cancel. We've got all these. They're going onto the onto their doodle meetings and and, and deleting a bunch of meetings on how to sell books. We don't need to do that now. We can actually take an early lunch break. Tim's Tim Clare, the outsider. He's not even upper middle class. He's not even from from London. He actually he's from the West Country. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, his, his dad's a, his dad's his dad's a teacher. Yeah, I know. His parents aren't. I don't have a background in 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 the publishing industry at all. No, no, he doesn't have very much money. No, he but he he's figured it out. He's brought the wisdom of the outsider in. Yeah, he, from his years of he's distilled, he's done over a hundred hours of interviews with with writers, and this is what he's figured out. Amazing, he's he's like an idiot savant. It's probably because he's autistic, right? It's just that kind of brain that can cut right to the heart of something. That would be the old 
the old neurodiversity. No, anyway, look. You know, I wrote this book. I think you forget like what it feels like until you do it, and then you just feel like you're the least sympathetic person in the world. <laughs> it feels just a bit like Britney Spears singing She's So Lucky, right? Like it's... Uh, there's this idea that you know you 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 get you get forget an agent and then you and then you and then immediately you just feel like completely validated and accepted and you're on easy street right or you, a publisher says we want to buy your book and you feel completely validated and 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 absolutely secure but it's weird how those things just sort of bump you into the next thunderdome right like your book gets released and like almost literally nothing happens around you except maybe if you go to a bookshop you might see it in there although i've got to say like i went to a couple of the smaller waterstones and they didn't have coward in stock and i was and even like the bigger ones i went into maybe only had like two copies that they'd ordered in and I was like oh is that that you know it's now out and it's not available in several bookshops they said oh we've got it on order it's coming um and then even the big ones had it like in a back room and and not very and not very many copies and you just kind of go what chance has my book got if it's not out on shelves or they don't even have copies of it you know you start to worry you think oh is it just doomed before it starts and that i mean that might seem silly because on the other hand yeah like i've had all this press like the times reviewed it i don't know if those reviews get read by very many people like i don't read times book reviews right it's all behind a paywall anyway um the independent picked it as one of their books of the month again do i read those do i i mean do i notice stuff like that i don't know but um the daily mail did a big article in their health section which was read by a load of people like uh, my wife does sort of uh, is a press officer and says that like their health section is like re- has like a huge readership compared to all the other newspapers and stuff so that probably moved the needle a bit i did a little bit of radio but i don't know you 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 your book seems like a really big and exciting and cool when you're writing it and then you go to show it to other people and suddenly it seems that little bit smaller you know it, it it's like you had this amazing daydream and you started to sketch out your imaginary world or it's like you're in the middle of a make-believe game and you've got your action figures or your dolls out on the floor and or your Lego and you're kind of going around going pew, pew, or you're having them talk to each other and going, hey, help me or oh, I need to get up here or whatever. 
And in the middle of that play, a sort of adult comes in and switches the light on and says, hey, what are you doing? And suddenly, and, and maybe they're a stranger, you know, so they're not someone you know and you feel slightly shy. And the game sort of withers slightly. They're not, you know, they haven't said anything nasty, but... I remember my daughter telling me that she'd been sort of like making a funny face or doing like a fun or singing to herself or something in the playground. And then she noticed that someone in the year above one of the year ones was like looking at her. And she told me I felt shy. And it's like she suddenly became conscious of what she was doing. And it suddenly, instead of being this thing she was doing and, experiencing joy she wondered what she looked like from the outside and she felt little and she felt silly and I guess going into the bookshops to sign my book when they hadn't asked me to but I just thought it was maybe a good thing to try and do I suddenly felt very tiny against like you know the books that they've chosen to push the books they've put out on the tables the books that they've chosen to make book of the month and there's piles and piles of you know there's a whole display uh the books that they've put face out or and just the sheer volume of books at all i mean i, I went into one waterstones i won't say which and there was a woman there and i won't say a name either but there was an author sat at a table with a little pile of books next to her a sort of older lady and it said it said meet the author and then it had her name underneath and then it said get your book signed so like it was obviously meant to be sort of like an event and she was sitting at a table with a pile of her books as people just sort of milled around her to get to the shelves and she'd sort of been she was sort of just there on her own with a pile of books and no one was coming to see her or speak to her or get their book signed and I I really felt a kinship with her you know I'm not sure she didn't look wholly comfortable but I also don't want to say like I felt pity for her or anything because I think that'd be incredibly patronizing like we do loads of different events and sometimes people come out to them and sometimes a bunch you know I did my gig in Norwich and there was lovely support and I was incredibly touched by people coming out and I've actually really enjoyed all the events I've done for this tour they've been really worthwhile and really nice and the people have been lovely um But you can't help but feel sometimes like maybe you were silly to try. Maybe trying to write books at all is a is a is a, is, a, is a form of vanity. Maybe you're going to let people down. Those are a lot of thoughts that go through my head. Maybe the world doesn't want what you write. Maybe there's not sort of space for 
brain that works like yours and a person who talks like you, who has thoughts like yours, who cares about the things that you care about. And we sort of see so much space and so much attention going over to the latest sort of celebrity acquisition. And a lot of those die on their asses, having, you know, people having paid over the odds for them. But um, because, the you know, the news media does tend to, it's more likely to feed to to feature a book it's more it's more newsy really to to feature something written by someone who's already famous and they've got profile and they can get it in front of people and people are more likely to buy something than maybe buy someone who's a bit famous i don't know it's you know it's it's a little bit chicken and the egg because like if readers were going out there and being adventurous and trying new books and buying this and buying that then maybe then if readers didn't consistently reward or consistently enough reward celebrity books, then if they weren't continually buying ones by the same few authors, if the children's publishing wasn't entirely dominated by, you know, like David Walliams, basically, and people were you know, being adventurous with their book choices. That wouldn't happen. Sorry, it sounds like I'm having a sort of a dig at readers and I don't mean to do that. And it's certainly not me being... I don't mean to be bitter. And also, I mean, and there are some writers who write a lot and write reasonably well. And I'm just like, well... I mean, f- f- fuck that. It's like pre. That's pretty good. I'm not surprised that people are, you know, drawn to that. To be honest, like I'm not surprised. I, th- I, I think you've done a good thing that is rightly finding an audience. And well, fuck, you know, good. That's good. It's just, I, I think sometimes people, are, you know, write something that's like very popular that that resonates with a load of people and is sincerely coming from their heart and is a sincere reflection of them. And it, it maybe even is just written for, you know, in a sense was just written for themselves as much as someone else's sort of obscure experimental shit is. It, it just happens to be that what's in their heart and what is written for themselves resonates across a broad coalition of listeners and I hope I don't sound too self-pitying to say it's just hard sometimes to realise that or to come to the conclusion that maybe you are just odd and a little bit off in your own weird kingdom you know that maybe the things that you are i mean i don't know maybe if 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 i you know if oh you you are writing stuff that's sort of if the stories you want to tell are like in a sense super mainstream or super popular or sort of super in in vogue then you have the opposite problem which is that you have loads of competition and it's really hard to distinguish yourself because you know you want to write i don't know like 
cosy crime or sort of fairly conventional you know romance plot stories or whatever and it's hard because you just get lumped in with everyone else and you feel that this is like what you care about and what you love you know you you're writing something that other people interpret as conventional sword and sorcery but it's also what was in your heart and you want to write about elves and dwarves and dragons and it's not because you're trying to crib off anyone they're just the things that bring your heart alive and maybe it's hard to distinguish yourself because it's just like well someone maybe people are just like well we've already got that i don't know i don't know what it looks like for you I know I've been finding it hard, you know, when I sit down to write fiction, not to just pick apart everything I've done straight away. I just want to make it good, man, you know? I just want to write stories. Oh, you know, that that are stories, you know? I don't even know how to say it, that are just have that quality of you read it and you're absorbed I, I would love to write a story that's I just want to write these adventures that are fantasy that feel magical that have different scenes and moments in I'm speaking in the most broad sense you must be going well Tim who gives a shit like that's just what you want to write a story with scenes in you know, oh Icarus no but you get the idea that I I love like a simple quest narrative where like one person sets off then they meet a second person and then they meet a third person so they slowly acquire a few you know a few members of their party and they face some challenges along the way and they're going to find something and then they reach a place there's a moment of sort of bleakness where it looks like they won't prevail and then there's some surprising turnaround and everyone is transformed by their journey and we get to a lovely resolution and that each of those encounters is like a really nice self-contained set piece as well that feels iconic and interesting Uh, oh damn hot damn i love those stories so much I love them and, and they are very conventional you know that's not maybe maybe I'm not maybe my imagination isn't weird maybe I'm just I lack the skill to write very a very the very conventional story I want to I just my heart still sighs at wondrous storytelling you know and I want to tell these stories about about you know tabletop games and I feel so shy when people ask me what I'm writing about because I'm flinching because I'm scared they'll go I'm scared I'll see them sort of going oh interesting and they don't have any interest in it and then it's it's hard for me to not to want to kind of chase the bid slightly and start trying to go ah but this is why it's interesting and and maybe just start like like machine gunning them with anecdotes about factoids about board games or maybe you know that aren't really well worked out and i'm just going or maybe i i start just going well i i love games because i want to talk about how they bring people together and i want to talk about communities and i'm just like listing 
themes in this way that's very broad and isn't very there's nothing for someone anyone to glom onto there's nothing for anyone to hook onto if you just start talking about themes it's all they can do is kind of nod politely or or you start sort of walking it back and going it's not about board games at all it's you know really i think we're always playing games and and, and you you water it down and and then you go and then i always feel after every discussion i've had about the book with anyone i feel doubt i feel stupid i feel like i've gone i just feel nuts and i i often just don't know how anyone writes you know i don't understand how anyone gets the confidence i don't understand how anyone how people decide to i don't really understand how people i don't know especially when people write about personal things and they feel confident that other people want to read it, you know. I'm not a hugely private person, as if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you'll know, right? Like, I'm not super great at making huge boundaries between stuff, but it is odd and vulnerable to be in this place now where the book's been out for a few days really not long enough for a substantial number of people to have picked it up and read it so I don't know if and all the reviews and all the feedback has been very nice but you just kind of go will anything land will anything take and connect you know or Is it just a kind of failure to launch thing? Does it miss its cultural moment of connecting and sort of moving round on the great wheel of people reading it and then telling other people and word of mouth spreading it? Or does it just sort of disappear quietly and then the next book's out and the next book's out and it disappears in this kind of great tidal wave of books? Because it's kind of my life in there, you know. It's it's, the, it's all this very personal stuff, and it's just odd to think of that coming out and then kind of whiffing, you know. You, you kind of you you putting your whole heart into something, and then it just whiffs, you know. It, I'm whiff. I don't mean sorry. I should make it that would have been obvious to any uh, american listeners that to whiff is to is sort of slang for swinging with a baseball bat and missing uh whiff being sort of a onomatopoeic imitative sound of the uh, swish of the um bat going through the air air and striking only air rather than the the ball um but for british listeners uh whiff obviously carries the second connotation of smelling so you might have said with the ball you you might have heard me saying oh i'm worried that my book will whiff and and you think it sort of i mean it will sort of make a leave a bad smell it will pong it will stink i didn't mean that I i meant and i actually only i think i only learned the term whiff from the snes rpg 
Earthbound. Because the character of Ness in that, the main character, the tit well, he's not titular, is he? Because he's not called Earthbound. He's called Ness. He's just the protagonist. Um, he fights with the baseball bat throughout. And um, one of the baseball bats, the penultimate baseball bat that you get, has very high damage. But if you read the description, it says it has a higher chance of whiffing, meaning missing. Uh, so it does a lot of damage, but um, it's also more likely to miss. Whereas the final ultimate baseball bat that you get is um, is more consistent, but slightly lower power. Uh, incredible game, Earthbound, by the way. Um, one of my favourites, rightly deserving of its cult status. And uh, th I think one that has influenced a lot of a lot of what I do. And I offered actually when... The honours came out to to write. I suggested to the publicist. I said, I, you know, I could also write a piece about like how video games have influenced a lot of my writing. Said, I don't think anyone will want that. This is how we learn to shut up. Really, is it's weird how there is a nerd culture out there, and there is people who, but like, it's so disconnected from the literary world that it's very easy to go through your life thinking everything you think is dumb and stupid, and you learn to shut up. And I might be very boring sometimes, but um, I just do wish sometimes that I could find a way of getting all these things in my heart. These things I think I'm, are cool. These things I love to talk about. And just putting some of that wonder into other people's hearts. You know, I just, I'd love to write a story that becomes somebody's wow story where the characters live for them and the journey lives for them and the feelings that I have in my heart when I write it and I think about the characters some way, in some way survive the transition from my brain to digital form on my computer to being inked onto dead tree to them looking at that series of runes and they hallucinate the pictures that I came up with and then that feeling happens in their heart just to know that happened once You know, to write something that you get fan art for. Fucking hell, wouldn't that be amazing? <sighs> and the same with this book, you know. I just would love it. To just connect with people, you know. Just to... You know, if, if it's a series of doves, like, being sent off uh, from... From the Ark, then I'd like a couple of them to come back with olive branches. That's not a... That's not a... This doesn't really... The olive branch is normally seen as a symbol of peace, isn't it? Uh, it's it's not a... There was a it, was back, it, was, it was ambitious of me to try and... Re-appropriate that metaphor, that 
biblical metaphor that has been widely used and is now understood as a symbol of a truce <laughs> as a book <laughs> connecting that was that was that was bold tim that was that was amazing i'm going to just try and try and reclaim the olive branch as tim Claire's book doing well well anyway I hope that you've enjoyed hearing me <laughs> talk about where I am. I've got I'm on Sky News tomorrow morning at nine thirteen. I've been a bit nervous about doing it just because I could be in my hotel room and I've got to set up my camera and it's. I think I've just had it. You know, I just want to be back home with my family. I feel very vulnerable and small doing all this. I I feel like I'm just me. And I, I, I feel a bit like I'm having to go out on stage, sort of aged seven, in like a blue bow tie and sort of do a tap dance in a talent show. This didn't really happen to me. This isn't a memory. I'm just and for the approval of people. And I, I guess you just always feel like, well, like either say is this what you want if it is i'm happy to share it with you but if it's not just let me know so i can just just get out of the way you know because i don't want to take up people's time if, if it's silly but anyway that's happening tomorrow morning at 9 30 i'll be on sky and then at 11 o'clock i've got a gig in wimborne 11 a.m and then in the evening at 7pm I've got one at the uh, in London Tottenham Court Road store at Waterstones there with Byron Vincent Um, he's been on this show before lots of people have listened to that episode we had a great chat and he's going to be talking to me about my book and we'll be talking about anxiety and you know I hope that's a good I hope that's a good event and then eventually I've got to go up to the, on Saturday, I've got to go up to uh, Glasgow for an event and then I'll be done. And then I'm just going to crawl back under my family rock, I think. And I'll keep working on my next book because that's what writing is mainly about is writing, isn't it? Being a writer is writing and I can only, I can only do my best. So I don't know. I hope that like being honest about these things and just saying, here I am doing some writing, doing my best. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I hope it's useful. I I flatter myself that it might be just to hear a different perspective rather than always hearing writers being successful. I think there's a pressure on us to always project confidence and success because you imagine that success attracts success and you want to always go, I think everything's going amazing and it's not that it's going it clearly isn't going dreadfully or anything like that but um, I just I feel very exposed I mean I am literally exposed I'm just in a towel on my bed but I also feel like you start to just worry that you're taking up people's time uh, in an unsolicited way and that always makes me feel awkward and that sounds odd to someone who writes books and does a podcast and goes on stage and but 
it's like anything it's always about consent right like if you go on stage and you do a great stand-up performance a great poetry gig whatever and people come there to see you and then they enjoy it and they're laughing it feels like the most generous thing in the world this is what i did an interview ages ago just a, a blog interview with the poet nathan jones and this is how he put it and I, it's all i always think of it. he said if it goes well it feels like the most generous thing in the world and if it goes badly it feels like the most selfish thing in the world it feels like you're imposing on people and it's all about your ego and neither of those states are exactly true but that's how it feels right like if, it, if, if a performance or a book or anything goes really well and it's connecting with people it feels like you've done this act of generosity and sharing if it doesn't it feels like you're telling an anecdote that no one wanted to hear and goodness knows I've done that enough times. I hope you're super well. I hope this doesn't sound, come off like whinging. Um, if you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support it, do remember you can go onto my uh, coffee page. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Tim Clare. There's a link in the show notes and drop me a few beans. It helps to keep the lights on. It helps me to pay for hosting costs and things like that. I really appreciate it whenever anyone just puts like a couple of pounds in the chip tip jar. It really, really helps. Um, and if, you really like, if you'd like to support me and my career, I, I, I keep sort of feeling like I should pitch the book more and not play on the please support me line but look if if you if you'd like to support me the best thing you can do is go and grab a copy of my book coward why we get anxious and what we can do about it it's it's a lots of stuff like this and there is a there is a um there is an audiobook as well which is narrated by me so if you like listening to these episodes you can go and grab the audiobook and it sounds a bit like this but it's all scripted and it's about me talking about what I did to try and learn more about anxiety and panic and try and get well. And there's also an ebook version as well. But I would love it if you spread the word about it. Oh my goodness. If you listen to this podcast and you would like to do something to to help out, I'd love it if you just did a, you know, if you just do a little post online or something about coward or if you grab a copy of the book and you've got one at home you can just do a little instagram post of the book that really helps stuff like that is all free for you but makes a huge difference to me that's it that's that's the episode i'm gonna try and do more stuff i want to speak to more authors and i'm just you know some folks said that they liked me doing ramble episodes so that's what i've done right thank you for listening to this episode um I hope things are going super great for you. I hope you're finding lots of things to be happy about. I think overall, I'm just particularly tired tonight, but I think overall I've been doing pretty well. And um, thank you for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week of writing.